This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This podcast is sponsored by Regatta Outdoors. It's a glorious spring day and you're heading out on a walk. What do you bring with you? A paper map? Plenty of snacks? Well, of course they're important, but any seasoned hiker will tell you that footwear is the first thing to consider. Whether you prefer relaxed rambles or challenging summits, comfortable and reliable shoes are essential. Regatta has waterproof and breathable footwear for the whole family, for every outdoor occasion. Discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com. Hello. You're listening to the podcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. My name's Fergus Collins. And today we're talking about walking, but in the context of a curious new film, The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry, which stars Penelope Wilton and Jim Broadbent, and is a tale about a man in his 60s who embarks on a 450-mile pilgrimage across Britain to see a dying friend. Podcast regular Maria Hodson went to see the film and meet Penelope and Jim, as well as the original book's author and writer of the screenplay, Rachel Joyce. And they talked about the project and their own connections to the countryside. Then later, Maria and I tested the power of walking with a trip to the Mendip Hills near Bristol. First of all, thank you for a beautiful film, which I thought was really wonderfully portrayed, particularly in the characters of Harold and Maureen. Harold Fry's impromptu 600-mile walk has a transformative effect on him and his relationship. What do, you, what do you think it is about Harold walking through the land that has that effect? And can you empathise with that? Have you ever had a similar experience of, of finding walking to be a powerful therapy? Uh, perhaps not quite that, but I love walking and and, walk, and walking on my own from time to time and, and always in, enjoy it and always get something out of it. And don't, as I was writing something once and I just... I was walking along, and then and I was a, couldn't couldn't get my head round the, the next bit of the writing. Then I saw an owl coming up, flying up the hedgerow towards me, and I thought, oh, and I got I got down and laid down on the ground, and the owl came along and hovered over my head, looking looking down at me, to the extent that I was quite frightened that it was <laughs> going to swoop down. So I, I flinched, and it went off. But and that un, and then I walked on and what I was trying to write was completely unlocked and it was and, oh, and then it inspired me to carry on. So there's, those sort of things can happen on walks. Wonderful. I thought I was worried for a moment you're going to say that what you were going to write was lost forever. So yeah, it's been, I <laughs> I'm glad it was it was an epiphany in the form of an owl. That's wonderful. Thank you. A lot of the film was shot on location and it it appears from the film that you walked quite a substantial number of miles what was your step count do you know <laughs> my step count was less than some of the crew by by quite a, a, a large amount actually the more junior the crew the, the, further. Uh, the further they ran <laughs> the runners ran and ran mm-hmm. and, uh, and that was so but i did i did a fair amount but um the uh, youngsters did did more because they had to Wherever I was, they had to run up to me and then run back to the camera and run up and take the something and run back again. So the, I'd, I had it easy, really. But I enjoyed my walking. 
did you have a favourite stretch or area in, I, in the I film? I think the Northumberland Moors coming down to Berwick in the, in the rain was the most exciting bit, really. That was sort of driving on, and that was I enjoyed that. And, and it, I didn't realise that actually south of the border was was so wild as it was mm. there. I thought that it felt like we were well into Scotland actually, but it was it was great. So there were some new experiences, maybe areas that you hadn't covered yeah, before. Yeah, oh, well, completely. Yes, lots of areas I hadn't covered at all. And and Maureen's character is is quite stuck both in her ways and geographically. She, she sort of says a few times to Harold that well, or, or suggests that she couldn't do what he's doing. No. Do you think that that there are some people who just do not have that in them, or do you think deep down? <laughs> Maybe Maureen could as well. There's I think something. Maureen, after at the end of the film, she said she certainly could mm. start to to walk. I think there are people who who they don't think in those terms. I mean, I happen to be a walker, so I have walking holidays. So I know that part of the coast very well. I walked from Berwick on Tree down to Bamborough Castle and in Craister and then down to Sea Houses and then down on that coastline. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful walk. But I don't think Maureen has ever thought about it. She didn't think that Harold never thought about it. And she says at one point, you've never, the furthest you've walked is from the front door to your car. You've never walked anywhere in your life before. So it's a revelation to Harold. Mm -hmm. And it becomes as a great saviour in the end, Harold. And of course, as Rachel says, Harold has never walked anywhere, so he doesn't go on the nice footpaths. He walks along the roads that he knows. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't go through the picturesque places because he wouldn't know where those are. He's just a novice walker. But I think if I was thinking about it, if there was a life afterwards, which I hope there would be for Harold and Maureen, they would certainly work out a plan and yeah. and do some very good walking together, hopefully. Yes, I think we can mm. imagine that, can't we? I think we can. I think they'd enjoy that. <laughs> that makes my heart very happy. I love <laughs> I love to think of it. Um, so you are a keen walker yourself. Do you have um, a particular area that you, you love walking? Like what does it represent to you? What does it do for you? It walking? represents a freedom and also you think very... It, it's a wonderful thing, walking. I took it up when I was in my late 40s and uh, I've walked every day since then. I walk every morning. If I'm not working, I go through all the parks and round London and so on. It's a great freedom. And if there's nothing else that you achieve that day, you've gone for a walk and you've seen... Also, it's the best exercise and you see the world and the seasons change. I mean, at the moment, the parks are looking wonderful with all the blossom coming out the last few days because it's suddenly warmer. So you notice a great deal. Uh, the thing about walking is that you're going at a pace where you do notice things, where you're zipping past even on a bike or running, you don't see it. Walking is the best. Thank you so much. Thank it's you. lovely Thank to meet you. you. Thank you. The book and the film both yeah. um, beautifully capture the extraordinarily transformative power of walking. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you what it is about the sort of simple act of walking that remains so powerful across uh, cultures and religions and and why you chose to capture that, because you do so brilliantly. Thank you. I think for me it's it's to do with stepping away from your stuff, from what you're familiar with, that moment when you, you know, you realise that you just need to... you. 
Well, in walking, I think it's you kind of get a rhythm, you can reassess, you can look back at what you've done. I think it just sort of opens a space that you maybe didn't even know was available to be opened. And I think those conversations that you have with yourself about the past are also so powerfully influenced by the moment. You're so much more aware of the moment when you're out of the familiar, you know. So I think it's the kind of conflict or the kind of transition between the two that is so powerful in in walking for me. And do you have a lot of personal experience of walking? Is it something that you love yourself and do for pleasure and for processing? Yeah, I do. I do walk a lot and it's very important to me. I'm actually a, um, a big dawn walker is my thing. So I really love, I mean, I love dawn as a time of day, but I find it an incredibly positive time of day. And I think it's also, if you're quite a solitary person as I am, you can sort of walk, I mean, sometimes it's just as if the world is just waking up for me. <laughs> you know, when you just see the light and I, I mean, I'm like Harold in that I find it very moving knowing that people are safe in their houses and that I can just walk kind of unseen. And I love, I mean, I love watching the sunrise. So I tend to, if I can hear, normally at the moment I hear birdsong at about 5.30 and I normally get on my coat and just go. Is there anything in particular that inspired this story of Harold's journey, an older man feeling oppressed, I suppose, and and quite closed after a lifetime of trauma, I would say. I mean, it did come from a very personal place, which which stories normally do for me. So I normally am kind of dealing with something of my own that I need to work out. And this particular instance, my dad had told us that he was dying. So he had very little time left to live. And actually, he had Queen is cancer. So it's sort of very specific type of cancer. And we were all obviously sort of, I mean, distressed is not the word. And my way of dealing, I thought, well, I'm going to write this story. I began to see it really, really clearly. I think it is my way of coping with what I don't understand or what I can't, you know, what I can't bear to feel. I try and create something out of it. And it now makes completely sense to me that I was writing a story about an older man saving somebody or believing he could at the moment I was losing my father. And there's sort of, Harold isn't my dad, but there's elements that are the same, you know, wearing the tie and there's yachting shoes, you know, things like that. There were there were crossover points. So I think that was the place it came from. And Harold was such a good person to kind of be in your imagination with. He was a very kind companion. He is a lovely man. And that's something I noticed when I talk to people about the book is the warmth they feel for Harold as a character. He's, he speaks to so many people. I've got lots of questions about him. But um, I was wondering what made you want him to start his journey so unprepared for it. Yes. <laughs> in his yachting shoes, yes. as you said. and his anorak, yes. And <laughs> just putting one foot in front of the other yeah. and carrying on. I think it was to do with just finding the essence of the man. I mean, I loved the idea that he would have forgotten his phone. I really didn't want him to have a phone. And now even more, because when I first wrote the story, it was sort of 12 years ago in phones. I think you didn't. I mean, now the phone is kind of just, you know, it's in our hand all the time. So I loved the idea that this man would just step out of the door thinking he was going to post a letter, completely unequipped, but who just has the knowledge. And I think it's an unconscious knowledge that something has to be broken something needs to change and that which is a kind of classic beginning for a story really you know that the kingdom is asleep you know that something is 
is undealt with and that it has to be dealt with, but you don't even know how you're going to do it. And I think that's the kind of courage of him, really, that in his simple, dear way, he commits to the moment. Have you ever done anything similar? And, ha- and also, have you walked that route yourself? No, I haven't walked it to my shame. And there was a point with the book where I thought, oh, no, I can't. I can't submit this to the book until I've actually done the entire walk. And then it was my husband who went, this is fiction. You know, like this is the imagination, which I think we don't talk about enough. You know, that's the wonderful thing that we have. So you take what you know. So I did bits of the walk, but not all of them. But I also had just moved to the place where we live, which is on the edge of Stroud. So it's a very kind of... And I was really so gobsmacked by the landscape that I think, I mean, it was like a love affair. And I think that probably infiltrated the book, that sort of, in me, that awakening sense of, you know, I had no idea green could be this many colours. So Harold's wonder was my wonder. That comes across absolutely in, in your writing. You write in beautiful detail about, especially as, as Harold becomes more in tune with his environment about the wildflowers and the plants he finds along the way. Is that something that you notice when you're walking and do you have that affinity? Yeah, I really do. I mean, I think you do use, when you're writing, You, I mean, you do have to make a leap into what you don't know. But a starting point for me was always, I was so, I'm just hungry for the detail. And it was something I was very acutely aware of as I was walking. It, it is what I notice. And I take great pleasure in noticing it. So, And also light. I really respond to light and it was a sort of great joy in the screenplay to realise that I could really kind of lean on light as a way of showing us Harold's kind of growing relationship to the landscape. Um, So it was a very light-filled script. And it, it, I, I see that in the, in the cinematography because there's some beautiful shots with the light yeah, in, yeah. in various places. Yeah. Um, which, was, which is your actual favourite stretch or area of Britain, both from personal experience and when you watch the film, just visually? Uh, visually, I can't... I mean, in terms of the film, I think I, I have to say every bit of it I'm kind of... I love because it's also different. That's what I love about the film. It's such a broad reflection. But in terms of where I love to walk, I have to say I am a home person and I just love out of my front door, into the field. That's where I'm happy. Lovely. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You too. So walking walking down a path into a wood in the Mendips with Maria after your adventure, Maria, in London with Jim Broadbent. Yes. Having spoken to him about walking, we decided to come out walking and talk about Jim Broadbent and walking. Um, yes, that's it's so beautifully circular. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was a, a, perhaps an unlikely pilgrimage to yeah. London to to interview um, Jim Broadbent and Penelope Wilton, and actually Rachel Joyce. Yeah. Um, and the film very much interested and didn't move me because it does look at this epic hike from Kingsbridge in Devon to Berwick-upon-Tweed. And I very much wanted to talk about the joys of walking, but actually the environment in which we were doing the interview was very far removed <laughs> from... Yeah, it's from funny how the, how the media world... Um, uh, it's, a, it's a story about walking, so they had you in a hotel in Soho, and you were given <laughs> very few minutes to talk to this great Seven man. minutes. I'm very grateful to just while we're here, yeah. the smell of wild garlic in the air. Oh, Goodness that's lovely. Me. We are through, uh, we're, we're in, just entered a sort of sunny, sunny footpath. 
and um, there's wild garlic everywhere. It's that time of year. Uh, that's kind of the choice. Shame we couldn't get Jim out here. Oh, He'd have loved it, I reckon. I think he would. I think he would. Have. In the in the brief time I got, um, I managed to gather that both uh, Jim and Penelope are keen walkers, and they use it for different things. Partly just the joy of exploring, partly um, to find inspiration. Well, you know, creative inspiration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that whole sort of unblocking your, as you as Jim said, and uh, you know. The an experience that he had with an owl yes, unblocked yeah. his sort of creative Yeah, uh, I mean that must have felt so significant to have a magnificent animal like that yeah, but visit we, you yeah. and say, you are free, <laughs> you are free to write now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you get the same, do you feel the same when you're out walking? Because we're, yeah, we, let's face it, we work in a creative industry, no matter how the pressure's on us to create something very fast mm. on a regular basis still there's a great demand for us mm. to be creative do you find that helps being out here definitely i think um, e- even today this is a, a wonderful tonic to quite a frenetic day yesterday yeah. and i think any any of those occasions and i think we all get them where you feel under pressure or stressed and meeting deadlines and busy 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 one of the best ways to unwind and just step away from all of that is to go for a walk and it can be anywhere but just leaving everything behind. I'm actually a huge fan of the solo walk. No, yeah, no, 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 present no company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, this same. is lovely too. I mean, yes. <laughs> but those opportunities to just walk and take in your environment and not particularly have to think of, you know, perhaps that sounds selfish, but not to think of anyone else for a while. Not even really too much of yourself if you don't feel like it, just to take in... Yeah, I don't think it's surrounding. I think it's important to, when we are constantly, there's so many demands. If you have a family, lots of workmates in a communication industry, you're just constantly being nibbled at and, yeah, going out walking. Unless unless you don't like chiff chaffs. (laughs) (laughs) Irritating chiff chaffs. Which I love. Bleeding chiff chaffs, chafers chasing me all over the place. Can't get away from them. Absolutely. Is this yeah. one here? That's a chiff chaff, yeah. I was expecting more of a distinctive chiff chaff sound. That well, sounds more like. Close chip, chip, it's, chip. Yes, it's more of a zilp zalp, as this in German. Uh, but it's what is it in German? Zilp zalp. Zilp zalp, I love that. Yeah, it's great, so the great work. Great thing. I mean, we're in a really good part of the world. I've forgotten how brilliant the Mendips are. If you haven't been to the Mendips, listeners, it is south of Bristol, hills, beautiful hills. Gosh, and the sun is so warm, we've come round into a sort of rocky... Well, it's the top of Cheddar Gorge, really, but it's one of the sort of spur gorges. And I think a lot of people go to Cheddar and have a sort of lovely time, but missing missing this peaceful... They're like little mini dales up here. So we've, well, we've come out as a team today, really, the whole editorial team, to just get away from the deadlines. It definitely, you can see everyone's sort of walking a little bit taller by the end of the day. Uh, it's been lovely and I, I I know we always every time we do one of these we say oh we must make it more frequent yeah. and then of course months pass but um yes what is that about life that why why when we love walking and being outdoors why as a people are we not it's just very hard I think it is sort of I don't know why we have this mental barrier I wonder if it's part of our psyche that we just when we get inside and feel snug and safe we don't want to go and expose ourselves to even though it's beautiful and does us good yeah. I feel that myself, and I'm an outdoors person, and I 
probably spend more time outdoors than all my friends but I still sometimes I'm reluctant to should I go out and see those rare flowers or should I yeah, just yeah. snuggle with a book exactly I think there's also a case of being aware that there's not to wait for the perfect time to go for your walk yeah. sometimes it's a case of just getting out just just stepping out of your front door even if you don't feel particularly well prepared just <laughs> to yeah. go and and see what's out there because like you say it's really easy to get into these routines and habits you live in the inner city basically yes, you live in a terrace in the inner city so yeah. you don't have green immediately outside your front door which does make it less enticing to step out uh, yeah. step outside straight away but if i do if i walk just a little ways i'm in some lovely parks or there's green bank cemetery which has actually got some wonderfully um different trees and beautiful mm. kind of tombstones to, uh, <laughs> and the dead, <laughs> the dead yeah. who are great company can i say <laughs> yeah exactly you said you like walking alone <laughs> yeah. well, uh, what could be better <laughs> like you've got company but also not much company <laughs> yeah. ah silent companionship my favorite <laughs> we were talking about that the other day uh when i was um, recording in ireland about the perfect walking companion is someone you can have those com- comfortable silences, companionable oh, yes. silences. Uh, yes. As we pass a dog poo bag, freshly laid. <laughs> I know, um, your absolute bete noir, right? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, Be it's gone. hard to find that person or people. I think in a group, you've just got to surrender to the group. But when it's one other person, you find the right person to walk with, where you can just go, ah, oh, let's not talk yeah. right now. And can I let you in on a secret as well? You can. Uh, You're letting in tens of thousands of people as well. Sometimes what I do, even though I run the risk of sounding extremely pretentious, if I do want that quiet time with someone who is a particular jabberer, I say, shall we try some mindful walking? (laughs) I'm going to watch out for when you say that next. (laughs) Let the alarm bells ring. No, it's just actually, it's quite a nice way, although it maybe sounds... uh, it falls differently to on different ears, but it's basically an invitation to just walk peacefully mm. for a while. Oh, that's quite taking good. in your environment because then you're not having an awkward sort of moment where, because I think everybody, unless you're an absolutely confident talker, walker, whatever, has those moments. I've run out of things to say. I must think of something clever to say to this person I don't know very well. Yeah. And maybe if you say. Um, yeah, should we have a moment? Of, what was it? Should we have a moment of mind? Should, uh, should, we, should we try some mindful walking? Yeah. <laughs> What's that, Maria? Yes, oh, uh, shut, <laughs> mindful shut walking. Is <laughs> walking while saying nothing at all <laughs> until I say it's okay to yeah. start talking. <laughs> no, I mean I actually think, you know, you're just saying that pressure to speak. That does take me back to yesterday and the the interview where I, I actually felt we probably all would have really enjoyed conducting into outside somewhere mm. quite peacefully ambling along yeah. and I think most people do I honestly feel most people feel that they can breathe when you take away some of those urban pressures not just urban they can occur anywhere but getting outside um, uh, I have encountered people who really really don't enjoy the countryside and have no interest in wildlife and don't get walking they'll go to the gym uh, they live in the city, love it, yeah. absolutely get everything they need from the city and have had no, have no, get no, get nothing. And I, I'm trying to understand that, but also, yeah, there just are some people who simply, it doesn't work for them, which is, uh, 
maybe it's an evolution of the humankind <laughs> to cope with. But um, yes, there are. They do exist. They do. Yeah. But do you feel? I wonder whether that's potentially slightly younger people. I certainly, when I was growing, you know, I grew up in London as well, and I did have almost a kind of an arrogance about this is all I need and I'm moving and I'm yeah. shaking and I'm being in all the you know the cool places yeah. well, you were being cool. around people oh, you I was, are cool oh. but you are really cool what? <laughs> yeah, I know. it's always when I try and say something clever <laughs> um, but I think that but thank you yes yeah. Yeah, yeah there was something that I said in there yeah, there I think that as I got a bit older... Yeah, just here, this, we want to capture this, if we can. A little bird that just fluttered there is a red start. And we might get its song. There are some other... There are some linnets here, but... It's... It's not going to do it now, but just sang briefly there. Red start fanciers, if they can hear it on the... We'll know. There's a red start anyway. We're in a little valley where there's a few, there's only a handful of red starts in the whole of the Mendips, but we found two today. So. We've heard two. I heard haven't two. seen one yet, but there was that no, gentleman with his enormous lens. And he think. struggled to see it as well, yeah. So they're quite hard to see unless you're kind of willing to spend a lot of time waiting till they. Also, they've only just arrived. They're a bit f sort of, they're kind of nervous and seem to be flitting around a lot, whereas once they establish territories, they'll happily sit by the path and sing and then you'll see them much better I think it's just like I want to sing but I've got to feed I'm hungry I've had a long journey so maybe that's 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 my interpretation <laughs> yeah because they will have only arrived this week we're right mid-April it's probably yeah. the earliest I've ever heard of Red Start so. anyway you were saying something much more interesting I took us down the Red Start <laughs> no, path no I love the Red Start part and I was just wondering if they're also feeling frenetic and like uh, beholden to deadlines <laughs> absolutely got to, totally. just arrived got to move in must settle down oh my goodness who'd be a migratory bird it's like <laughs> fly you get this urge of having sunning yourself in sub-Saharan Africa lots of food enjoying yourself and then suddenly oh what's the time oh it's it's, <gasps> it's late March I've got to go and then it's two weeks three weeks flight arrive resident birds have already picked all the best nesting spots you've got to kind of find some food find a mate don't really know the neighborhood very well it's like you've you've moved house to a new city <laughs> dreadful and they uh, do this twice a year i mean well, coming in they'll go, and then they've and got to go back that, again yeah they, don't, they probably don't last more than a couple of migrations these small birds but uh, i remember but, that whenever i next have to move house yeah I'm, i don't i don't go anywhere near as hard as <laughs> a migratory bird yeah but they don't have to spend quite as much as we do <laughs> that's true <laughs> Or we'll uh, worry about damp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you say that. Yeah. A bad, a wet spring, and they will um, not not do well. But it's it's a, actually a perfect spring at the moment. There's been enough rain, there's sunshine. Yeah. There's a, it's warm. An abundance of wild garlic. Wild which... garlic here, which some of our colleagues are just taking a few for um for what are you going to be making? What's well, I'm hoping for some. Wild garlic and cheese scones. This is, Mar this yeah. is Margaret, who uh, long-term listeners will know from the podcast. This interviewed many a fair guest. Um, <laughs> so on our menu is wild garlic and cheese scones, which so. obviously you will be bringing in for us all to share. Oh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a picnic next week, next week I think. Fantastic. That's um, exciting. Well, Marie, you're going to join us in the studio a little bit later when we get back. We've got some lovely listener letters and... Um, yeah, some other treats to, to share with you. So, Excellent. I can't see, wait. See you then. Thank you. 
eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With milder weather and longer days on the way, now is the time to dust off your hiking boots and enjoy the great British countryside. And wherever you go, whatever the terrain, Regatta Great Outdoors has the right footwear for any adventure. From grassy hills to rocky trails and even paved footpaths, there's a regatta shoe to suit your walking preferences. Discover lightweight trainers for day-to-day wear or walking shoes for multi-day hikes like the brand new Samaras 3. Combining comfort with performance, the Samaras 3 is available as a shoe and boot for both men and women and is ideal for all your hiking pursuits. Tech Foam InSock technology supports your foot, while an EVA midsole and shock-absorbing heel protects you from bumps along the way. Plus, it's waterproof and breathable, so your feet stay dry no matter the weather. Available to shop in stores nationwide and at regatta.com. So from the Mendips, Maria has joined me in the studio. Um, Lovely to see you. Thank you, Maria, for coming in. Oh, it's a pleasure. Especially as Jack and Hannah are away this week. Um, So great to have you helping out in the plot chat. Thank you. Anytime. Well, that was fun. And thank you. Well, brilliant to have spoken to those stars of the silver screen. Rachel, who is the author of the book. And uh, also author of the screenplay. Oh, amazing. Okay. Well, great. You can you can help out. You can step in. And um, <laughs> first thing, well, as always, well, we had that lovely day out and we had all those fantastic sort of meetings with birds and we recorded lots of birds on. We recorded that lovely chat. But we always do. We've we started to do a sightings and happenings. So, have you got? Have you been out and about since then? Have you been up to anything? That uh... I have since then, but my adventures have been more water based since our amazing walk in the hills. I then turned to the coast on Sunday, and I was at Clevedon Marine Lake, where I managed a cold water swim, and it was Goodness, incredibly. You are cold. an aquatic. You are sort of semi aquatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose I, I, I love the water. I don't excel at anything, but that doesn't stop me. <laughs> I'm like very happy to have a splash or a surf or a paddle. And yeah, just love being in water. So you by went to water. Clevedon Marine Lake. What is that? Yeah. Is that is that sort of something that fills up a high tide? Is that the one? Or is it's it... actually it's fill it's it's has water all the time. Um yeah. But it's just what they do is they do test the water. So given in this day and age of concerns and lots of wariness about water it's quite nice to know that the water there has been checked relatively recently and regularly so there is some clean water still in britain <laughs> swimming. i mean i we joke but this is yeah, serious, uh, yeah. You know, i i would i would kind of explode i explode quite regularly with anguish and anger at the state of our rivers but so that's lovely so you've been on cold water swimming yes yeah that was on sunday and then on monday i was at the wave which is um britain's in fact i'm not sure if it's maybe europe's but it's a an inland surfing lake near Bristol. Wow. And, uh, yeah, they kind of generate a mock... Well, um, well it's not a mock wave. It is a wave. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. generate it quite regularly and then you can... But artificial sort yeah. of yeah. way of generating waves. And you can surf... You can surf, you can surf there. It's fantastic. And people come from all over the country to um, to practice because, obviously, with surfing, it's not... 
you have to be chasing the waves a lot of the time. But in this instance, you just go right there. And there's That's a guaranteed great. wave. <laughs> That's the modern way, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Can't go off to the to the natural world for a nice surf. You've got to go and have them made by yeah. fabricated in a in a wave uh, factory. Sounds that, great, though. It is actually great because that yeah, that, there's a side of me I think that was a bit. Uh, wary almost that it might feel too manufactured but it's it is a lovely sight it's it's a nice day out um and That's... i and i did manage to pop up several times <laughs> and then fall flat popping up is is <laughs> for the onion. i've never surfed i've bodyboarded and i enjoyed it but i've never surfed uh popping up is what standing up i'm yes, guessing it's standing exactly up that yeah oh, exactly okay. so yeah popped, you popped up a couple of times so i did quite yeah reg- relatively regularly and then um and then also face planted, which isn't a surfing term, but I'm sure most people are familiar <laughs> yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Had a look at the fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember um, reading a book about people who climb tall trees. This is a, an aside that, um, yeah, people who climb these really tall trees in America, and it's incredibly dangerous, really high up these redwoods that go on for miles or touch the moon sort, sort of trees. And they would kind of have these adventures high above the ground and find all these biospheres and habitats up there uh, but their term for when they fell uh, to their deaths oh, was taking a dirt nap oh. uh, which i think is just right, it's, it's the casual humor. dark humor yeah because <laughs> they're always on the edge of of this sort of thing but that, well, that's what made it incredible incredible it's called the wild trees a story of passion and daring with the world's last true explorers it's by richard preston so I can recommend that. Take it, but don't take a dirt nap. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just read it. I won't go climbing to the top of any of them. Yeah. So you, you've been so you, well from trees. You've been, you've been basically having waterborne adventures, and you've recorded a waterborne adventure for this series. I have yes, paddleboarding along the Y, which was magnificent. That was um, I, it. Actually, took place at the end of last year. And I think it's a good time to release it quite soon because obviously people have the summer yes. and autumn stretching ahead for we'll, we'll paddling get, We'll get on to that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Just, someone needs to edit it first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No rush, Maria. <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, but we'd love to release it. Um, but wonderful. What a, a great, great, great river. And we talked about pollution and that sort of thing. You've, you've done a piece for us on, um, on the people who are fighting the insidious pollution along the the length of what should be one of our most glorious rivers so did you and so is that part of your tale or is it more just the joy of paddleboarding above the water and away from the there is mention of pollution there's mention of kind of um the great pressures on the Y as well because obviously it is such a popular river it's such a popular stretch that in summer it becomes the kind of it's swarmed essentially and what that means both in terms of that's a that's a boon to businesses but it's not such a boon to the river itself so it's how does the why manage the various pressures it deals with i know fishermen get cross with people and paddle boards and canoes Mm. dragging them over the gravel gravel where the fish spawn and the fish eggs and fish fry are lurking so i know there's some tension there well it'll be really good can't wait to listen to it i haven't heard it yet so um that's one for later in the season. No yeah. pressure. No pressure at all to, to, to produce that one, Maria. Um, I've had lots of watery excitement. Have you had any amazing wildlife uh, sightings recently? Uh, I did. Well, I did. I went on a I went on a dawn chorus walk with a family. Got up at like ridiculous hour to go to Black Mountains College in near Talgarth in the Banai Bachiniog. Well That's pronounced. A, well, I don't think if, if Hannah was here, she'd give me a, 
beat me over the head with a stick for getting that wrong. But um, and it was it was great. It was just lovely to be up so early and quite quite a large number of people. Really fun to go out and just. My my son was more reluctant. I was going to say congratulations so, on getting a, 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 a near teenager. Yeah, yeah a teenager. He, he, once he once, once he got to the pastries at the end of the at the end of the walk, he was much happier. But there was it was kind of love. It's just a beautiful part of the world. The kind of top edge of the Brecon Beacons, Benai, the Benai, mm-hmm. and oh, just lovely to hear spring bird song. But apart from that, yeah, a, a few things got a lots lots planned next week. I'm hopefully going to Nep to listen to nightingales so that's going to be exciting famous nep have you been yeah. before no no so i'm hoping to record with uh i've been very very generously invited down by isabella tree and charlie burrell to listen to the nightingales and we'll have a chat about isabella's new book so that i'm incredibly excited about i'm going to be camping among nightingales and as with all podcast promises who knows what may turn up but yeah so yeah that does uh, gosh it's the best time of year to be out and about and as always please do send in your recordings or your thoughts about spring the podcast always good to to hear from listeners you can contact me and i'm on editor at countryfile.com always just just send in your joyful thoughts because this season is so rare and precious and he comes around once a year. <laughs> In fact, talking of, I'm going to ask you, Maria, to read this fantastic letter, which we've had in from Sean McGill. And I'm going to hand this over to you because it's a cool one. Okay. It includes a sound, so we'll play that afterwards. But um... Wishing you all a belated happy Easter. I love the podcast and listen every week, usually while doing my latest Paint by Numbers project. Prior to succumbing to COVID two weeks ago, I was out walking in the ancient woodland surrounding Skipton Castle, North Yorkshire, and heard this amazing bird. I'm new to birdsong and have been unable to identify it. It sounds like it's saying, Chirrup, pleased to meet you. <laughs> Do any of you recognise it? I can really recommend this beautiful woodland, cared for by the Woodland Trust. The castle sits on a craggy high hill above the woodland. Great for a future podcast. Looking forward to many more. Brilliant. Well, let's hear that. Well, we'd love to come up to Yorkshire. We must come up to Yorkshire a bit more often for the podcast. But let's hear that that sound. That's the chair. Pleased to meet you. Pleased I can hear you. it. I yeah. can hear it. <laughs> Amazing! It does sound like it's amazing. Yeah, it does. It's <laughs> really interesting. Well, um, that one at the there are several birds in there. I mean, I'm gonna. I've, I've had a listen, and I think I've recognised most of them. The, the one towards the end is a chaffinch. That's sort of pleased to meet you. Type is it okay? Descending, and the one right at the beginning was a wren. That blast at the very beginning. So, uh, and in between, there are a few blue tits, and I think even sparrows. There was all sorts of good stuff there, but. Thank you, Sean. That's great. Lovely taste of Skipton. And yes, we will try and come to spread our net wider uh, as far as we can get on a day with a recorder. So, Sean, that is our wonderful email of the week, our listener email of the week. And we'll be sending you a book, which is by Stephen Moss. It's 10 Birds That Changed the World. And I hope you enjoy it. So, yes, off as I should, I should say to everyone, if your email is or your sound recording is chosen as 
our listener email of the week, we give you a lovely book. We'll send you a lovely book from the podcast library. And so, yes, and that includes sounds. So it's a great time of year for recording birdsong. Send them in. Love to hear them. And yeah, we'll hopefully include them in the podcast. Oh, finally, finally, some pond news. Pond news alert. And last year, around this time of year, I had a lot of pond news. Uh, generally to do with disasters in my pond and there's been another disaster in my pond where I collected a load of frog spawn. It's almost the same story as last year. I collected a load of frog spawn, which I I only collect frog spawn that I find in puddles which are drying up and I think give them a a lease of life and I don't have frogs in my pond. Anyway, I took a load back, found lots on a a lane after after heavy rain and it was definitely going to die. So I packed it all up in a bag, took it down to, to... put it in the pond. It all hatched. Brilliant. Massive tadpoles. Three weeks later, they've all gone. And, oh, no. and I know last year the problem was that I had a fish in my pond which had sneaked through. I, I'd in, accidentally introduced some little fry which had grown big on tadpoles. So something else. And that fish has definitely gone because the <laughs> pond almost dried up over last summer and there was nothing I think there might be a big population of newts in the pond that are just feasting on tadpoles, but it's like, I just can't get it to work. <laughs> so so last year, well, there was no success. No and success. This year, no this success. Is, it's the same story. Same this story. But the newts are breeding in the pond. I so mean, maybe that's what you need may, to focus on. Just <laughs> call it a newt pond. You, yeah. It's your newt pond. There yeah. we go. That's pond news. Pond news. <laughs> that's pond news for this week. <laughs> it's tabloid stuff, though. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. Who knows what can... The excitement. But that's probably it for, for this week. Thank you, Maria, for joining me. And um, thank you, everybody, for listening. And join us again next week where we're on another lovely adventure in the countryside. But for now, it's goodbye from me and the team. Whether it's gloriously sunny or a spring downpour, you can always get outdoors with Regatta. So what are you waiting for? Find a route, grab your walking shoes and start exploring. Regatta Great Outdoors offers all types of performance footwear, from technical hiking boots for regular ramblers to durable walking shoes for the whole family. With waterproof and breathable qualities, shock-absorbing comfort and superior grip, Regatta footwear is designed to withstand whatever challenges Mother Nature throws your way. Discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com.